To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome, everybody, to the Backyard Gardens podcast. We've got a special episode for you today. Actually, we have a very special episode. So we're going to talk about a what-if scenario and how we can combat it. And I think it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Tavia, I think it actually could be a good practice to get into moving forward no matter what. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed. You think so? So, um, yeah. And if you'd like to support the show before we get started, please check us out on Patreon or Apple subscriptions. We'll get you an episode a month extra and you can help support the show and keep us going so we can help other gardeners all over the world. So I guess we're going to have to learn to grow and grow for change today. That's for (laughs) sure. Um, this is a special question. It came from... Sandy Bottom Homestead YouTube channel, which is my channel, and the individual who put it on there labeled it Spotify question, which when we read it, I thought that is a good question. And then I instantly was like, no, this is an entire episode. So congratulations to Mike. You are the winner winner of the chicken dinner. (laughs) Are you ready? It's one of my favorites. (laughs) Are you ready to untap this one? Go. Go. All right. So Mike says, Spotify question. How would you grow a garden without fertilizer if it ran out? Also, how would you utilize your compost? Fertilizer is getting very expensive. Mm -hmm. So one thing I'll say is you're welcome to leave us a question anywhere. And I like that Mike put Spotify question in front of it because he definitely had, you know, a purpose behind this question. So, um, yeah, you can do it on my channel, Sandy Bottom Homestead, or Batavia's at Be Better Gardens, or Spotify, or Facebook, whatever. Now, let's break it down. How would you grow a garden without fertilizer if it ran out Batavia? Because this is your jizzy jizzy jam, y'all. Yeah, man. This is... um. I was just saying this either in my head or out loud. Either way, it was meant to also be said on this show. Um, I just, I, there's something about it that makes me, oh, it was, I was talking to you yesterday. There's something about fertilizing that just, you know, the idea of going to the store and buying something organic or otherwise, and then making this a part of your routine. So truth be told, I've killed a lot of houseplants, but I have a lot of houseplants that thrive. I never fertilize my houseplants. Now I know the kind of production, if you will, of a houseplant is very different than what we're doing in our gardens and growing food. Um, but, you know, Mike's question, I think, was centered on how do you continue to grow your garden without purchased fertilizer right i think if that's the way i processed it in my mind especially with a note about how it's getting expensive and so feeding your garden is a thing versus you know just saying i'm gonna feed it through fertilizing i just it's something that's never settled with me and i don't know if it's just a lazy gardener in me um, but this is my jam because in the longer term i do want to explore this um, if i'm fully transparent I am fertilizing today. It's actually tomorrow's the day that I'll be fertilizing because I don't want to take the risk of 
crop failure. And I know I'm asking a lot of my soil, right? You know, but I just, I don't want that to be my forever experience. Yeah. I mean, you said a lot there, yeah, yeah, actually. I knew you were going to say I said a lot there because I did say a lot there. Yeah. Because so the whole houseplant, I, I get what you're saying about the houseplant thing. And the one thing that, and I know you meant to say it, but we need to say it out loud is they're not producing an actual edible fruit, mm-hmm. which takes a lot out of a plant, which requires a lot. Um, fertilizing is not something that is new. It's new in the fact that we can go to the store and buy it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's not new in general. I mean, how many people have heard the story when you're in elementary school about the Native Americans putting a fish underground and they are, their maize grew better? You know what I mean? Like, this is a practice that's been taken on for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, and it's interesting, too, because oh, we're about to dovetail. And so I got to really measure what I'm going to say here because it's going to another episode that we're just recently discussed doing I have comments around it so I'm not going to say it now but when that episode comes out you'll know they'll all bleed together but I feel like we've gotten complacent as gardeners and expected the fertilizer to be available to us at the store without the work and that is a problem mm-hmm. so I fertilize I fertilize regularly too, and it's because, like you said, we're asking a lot out of our soil. But when it runs out, and if it ran out, what would we do? And the question I'm going to add this into it is: How would you grow a garden without it? But how would you change the way you garden too? As I think that's the question that we need to be asking too, is because if you fertilize now, you can't. And this is my opinion. This is not, I don't know if this to be true, but I do thoroughly believe that if you did not have fertilizers available to you, we cannot continue to grow food in our gardens the way that we do. It has to change, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you trying to I was center see me if you back had something on to fill in. Mike's question versus my interpretation of his question? Um, so, I mean, I, I think that. We don't change in the way of we're going to feed our gardens, but I think we have to start using um, materials that are more readily available to us. That's the hard part, though. Yeah. um, What's readily available to you? As we were talking about this episode and you were opening up today, I thought like, is this Batavia versus mice? Like, am I going to have to get over it? You know, again, if we kind of put ourselves in this state right um right so i I do think that there probably would be a a bit more just one note a bit more focus on crop rotation so trying to manage very closely what you're planting and then kind of the impact on that soil you know because it's not you're just not going to give them a super boost like you would anything that and and I, I'm going to say I'm probably, um, what's the Microsoft terms like? Well, I guess in any kind of training. I'm not intermediate. Era 404. I'm not basic. Whatever that middle kind of experience level is. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, maybe I'm intermediate. I'm not advanced, right? Uh, right. So, and I said, you know, when it comes to my experience and my understanding and my knowledge of this, uh, most things you're going to add that are not going to be... 
um, let's say in a can, in a jar, in you know, a bag or something, things that you're going to mix up and make up yourself. All of that's going to take time to feed that garden. You know, and it's going to be more time than probably a lot of us are used to or expecting. Right. You know, so when we talk about what's readily available, like in some cases, you're going to be growing the thing that you're going to be using. You know, I think that's a huge shift. You know, maybe our gardens don't have as many things like if we had to do 2023's garden under kind of this Mike's world, (laughs) um, then uh like, what will we do differently? That's not for today's episode, but that's kind of the headspace I'm trying to get to. Like, you know, I don't know if I have all the things I'd have in my garden. I think that is for today's episode because. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at it, too, it's like, you know, what I'm referring to, especially especially for people that are blessed like I am that can grow you know, 10, 11, 12 months out of the year, you really do come to rely on fertilizer for that Mm -hmm. um, multiple aspects. Mm -hmm. And so that would have to change. You know, you'd have to really incorporate, you know, giving gardens a break, um, amending soils naturally. You, and it's just like you said, with your crop rotations, I really think that it would come down to something like, you know, you'd have to get an intimate feeling for what each vegetable takes from the soil mm-hmm. and gives back to the soil mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. to manage that. Um, you know, we all know like peas and legumes and stuff. They will add nitrogen. They're nitrogen fixers. So a simple technique is, you know, don't cut the roots out, let them break down, and then it'll add nitrogen to the soil. So this kind of goes in line with that. And I think you also have to start looking into stuff like cover crops. You know, um, we'll get into the composting in a little bit because that was the second part. So, but compost, um, I think, to be honest, the whole no-till thing may not be as a popular subject at that point because I feel like tilling may be something that it becomes important at that time when you don't have fertilizers available, right? See, I was thinking the opposite. Why is that? Well, I think the idea of, you know, so for no tilling, my mind processes it as you don't disturb the soil, right? Like there is the whole idea of like, let's not turn up the weed seeds, but all of the goodness in the soil is is undisturbed and um, kind of remains intact, right? And you need that, right? You know, so if I am tilling up stuff, digging up stuff, whatever have you, and let's say that that sets back my plants. Again, I'm speaking in broad terms. I really can't afford that as a part of this no fertilizer, you know, purchase fertilizer world. Let's just say no fertilizer and know that I mean the fertilizer, because you're going to end up creating fertilizers ultimately, you know, let me (laughs) not bury the lead. So instead of purchasing fertilizer, anytime I say no fertilizer, no, that's what I mean. Well, let's, let's do this for the rest of the episode. There are no ways to purchase any kind of fertilizing anything for your garden. No, to make your own fertilizers, individual ingredients or anything. It's just all natural. Let's just do it that way, I think, Mm -hmm. so we can be on the same page. Because that's what I think Mike's looking into and wondering. Because, you know, I did a quick Google search about making um, fertilizer. And 
I didn't get anything really worth it. But, you know, I, I see a clip of um, potassium powder, bone meal, coconut water, you know, all these different things that are products that you buy to make fertilizer. So if you, we take a step back from that and I, I think about the tilling part and the only reason why I think that the tilling part would be very useful is because you're doing in-ground composting at that point where you're churning it up, you're in, introducing oxygen into it because oxygen is part of the recipe to make compost. Mm-hmm. So you can be taking those old roots and stuff like that, chopping them up so they break down faster chopping up all the in, the organic matter in there it'll break down faster and then you can go from there adding water and stuff like that and then my thought process would be that that would kind of speed up the process a little bit because that's what i mean ultimately we got to do you know we're always racing the clock <laughs> that's the one thing that i hate about gardening is like it's you're always up against this clock and it's it's an obvious clock but we're always going against it so it's kind of an issue yeah, there's something that, you know, it's a part of, if I don't say it directly, that's a part of the complaint that I always have throughout the season. You know, the, the whole concept of like feeling like I'm always behind is because I feel like there's always a clock that's out there. Uh, but there's also, you know, in a sentimental moment on the Backyard Gardens podcast, there's also <laughs> some beauty in you just don't get to make the rules, right? You know, like you just can't do any, uh, all of it anytime you want. Right. You know, I think that, right. you know, in this moment and I, in the future Batavia at some point will not live in Chicago, will not have winter boots, period, hard stop. Um, we'll live in a more mild climate um, and we'll have an opportunity to garden more than I garden now. And I think current Batavia living in Chicago like it's all of this is by design not to mention I was born and raised here but it's by design because I would struggle with one more day of gardening <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a bit of a tangent but um the reprieve that I get when the weather isn't on my side when it comes to gardening I think I've come to realize well I know I've come to realize that it's a blessing for me right now Right. Uh, so, yeah. you know, clearly I'll need some time to figure out how I'm going to feed my garden without fertilizer that, you know, Mike is erased from the world. <clears throat> well, and, you know, that was a real thing a couple of years ago with the whole war in Ukraine. I mean, they're the biggest fertilizing producing company or country in the world, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong by that, but I think that's what I read. And um, there was a fear. And I think that is part of the reason why fertilizers are getting more expensive. But there's ways to do it without buying it. And I think that's something that we all need to remember is, you know, for me, for instance, chicken manure, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I just did a video or recently and I've been talking about it a lot and I'll continue to talk about a lot is, you know, my desire this winter to get my timing right for planting, Mm -hmm. but also get it to, to where, my fall garden, I can harvest the majority of it in the fall like it's supposed to be into the early winter and then let that stuff, let that bed rest. And what I what I typically do, which I didn't do last year, is I'll take fresh chicken manure, spread it on my garden and then let it age in my garden. And so that way it's adding that nitrogen back mm-hmm. to it. 
Now you have to have a way to produce chicken manure and there's only one real way to do that. So, I mean, you know, this is why back in the day, we've done episodes about this before, why everybody had chickens. Just across the board, it was like commonplace to have chickens because not only did you get meat and eggs, but you were also getting a way to make fertilizer. And so you're adding that in. And, you know, bone meal you can't buy, but guess what? You can make bone meal. (gasps) Yeah, it's terrible to think about, but you can make bone meal. You can make blood meal and all that stuff. So, you know, these things are possible. It's not the prettiest thing in the world, but that is something that you can do. And then if you factor in, you know, following the seasons, I feel like, there would be a massive run on leaves in the fall. You know what I mean? Like every gardener that's ever listened to this show would just be like bum rushing their neighbors. Like, please, please give me the, give me the weeds or the, the leaves. Give me the you loot. Know. Give me the loot. <laughs> yeah. Give me the loot. But, um, you know, you, you spend the fall time, which is typically what I do. And I focus a lot on making my compost for the next year doing stuff like that maybe you're in a colder climate like in your climate you know miss batavia would start making compost guarantee it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah if you force my hand mike yeah clearly Mike's this has become a drinking hand. game the number of times i'm going to say mike we're only about 16 <laughs> minutes in <laughs> and mike you are now batavia's favorite listener um you know, and, and recycling your garden back into the garden mm-hmm. is important, too, at this point. You know, where a lot of times you may pull up something and just throw it out there and say, whatever. Now you're going to be really focused on it. And I, I think it's it may be a good practice just to do in general because you get more in touch with your garden, I think. And the whole process of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I um. You know, so we used to talk about this more often. A lot of the things that I did, you know, earlier on when I was especially introducing new um, vegetables into kind of my growing experience, I would, I'm kind of doing it on the, the guise of like, what happens when I can't grow as many tomatoes as I wanted to grow? Like, I need something else to supplement, you know all of the sauces clearly that I want to make um, and kind of under the what if scenario. Originally it was, you know, kind of once everything settles from the apocalypse. So then what? Um, but in all seriousness, when things become unavailable, do you have the, the ability to manage still? You were, uh, this a couple episodes ago, you were talking about, um, stay with me, um, investing in a, a timer for your um your outdoor watering you know and it's like just invest in it because you just don't know when you're going to need it like remember last month i had a trip for work that came up really last minute and it was right as we were heading into 90 degree weather in chicago which is hot right um and it's like okay great i have the time or i don't have to go out to the store i could go ahead and get the situated i already have the water hose and the sprinklers and that's one less thing to be worried about i was able to make sure that my garden for that 90 degree you know heat wave here was going to be watered you know so now take that you know it was a couple of days take that and say insert something that is much more commonly used Right. Yeah, timer may mm-hmm. not be, but much more commonly used and then remove that. Like, you know, so I say all of that to say the skill that Mike 
has uh, introduced through his question is an important one. And when do we begin to to start investing that kind of energy and time? I'm not ready. I'm just going to be <laughs> going to keep it really real, son. <laughs> you know. Well, I will say this. If there's no fertilizer in the world, you as a gardener, albeit a hobby, a fascination, um, a homesteader, you will be the most valuable person on the planet in that group Mm. of people because you will be producing something that people cannot produce. And I mean, I've always seen the value of a compost pile always. And I may not use my compost, but like this year I didn't use much of my compost pile, which is about to change, but I've always like believed in it. It's so easy. I've thought like, well, why not? And you know, it just made sense to me. And um, Miss Batavia sent me a website here from the Farmer's Almanac about homemade garden fertilizers. Um, and it's the top eight fertilizers. And so um, I'm just going to tell them what, tell you what they are. They're grass clippings, weeds, um, kitchen scraps, manure, tree leaves, coffee grounds, banana peels, and eggshells. And so you can add all this stuff into your garden, but let's face it. If you have a garden of any size, you're not going to make enough coffee grounds to fertilize your garden with directly into your garden. But when you start making a compost pile and you start mixing all these things in, now we're starting to cook with some peanut oil here. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're fitting to get it going. So, you know, eggshells and banana peels and all that stuff. I mean, how many bananas do you eat? Like, you're not going to fill up your garden with banana peels. But when you mix them into this big pile, you start to get all of that goodness. And then you're taking the greens from your carrot tops and your cabbages that you, you know, clean up and, you know, whatever else. And you're adding it to your compost and then you put those leaves in it. You, you start to really get going and get it cooking. And then we can start adding it to it because compost is going to be very, very important in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things we can do with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's, again, a different way to learn about being a gardener. And I wanted to ask, how long did it take you, you think, to feel like you've mastered composting? Um, well, first of all, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So I'll give you my timeline of my comp, my evolution of composting. I started, um, you know, I love a good timeline. Uh Yeah, I know you do. (laughs) I started cold composting, which is just, you put stuff in a pile and you just leave it. Um, and I had that for years, never used it, but it was the same thing. Like I was like, well, what am I doing? Like, I'm throwing this stuff away. So I just started building this pile. After a couple of years, I mean, it had turned into some pretty good compost. And then I got into hot composting, which is where I'm at now, where typically what I'll do, um, and I am actually going to make a whole video about this because I did a different method last year, but I turn it regularly. And I can turn in the fall, I can turn a pile of compost that's five feet high by three feet wide into usable compost in a month. So that kind of got into it. And then, you know, we always had chickens and stuff like that. So as long as I've been gardening, I've had chickens 
basically. So we were able to add that stuff in. But the biggest trick for me was learning that there's a seasonal time to build a compost pile. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that it was the spring and when in turn, what it was, was it was the fall. Because you get that bulk of the material in the fall. You're cleaning out your gardens, you're raking up your leaves, all that stuff. You're cleaning out your chicken coops and all that stuff. Um, But we're always adding to it. You know, every couple of days we're taking a small bucket out from the garden or from the house and putting it in there and you're starting to make it. So that's a big, big amendment for your garden. But at the same time, this is where that tilling kind of, I feel like comes in too, because you can actually have too much compost in your garden. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard to believe, but you can put too much in. So tilling that into the garden albeit you can do it lightly, will help mix it up so you don't get that buildup of organic matter that actually becomes crumbly. So you want to keep it going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not to mention, now I've never done this, but I would, you know, starting like worm farms and stuff like that. That's a big benefit as well. Like you could do that too and get a whole nother set of nutrients out of that. Yeah. I mean, I think... You know, even with a list from the farmer's almanac, and I, I looked at it. I didn't read it thoroughly. Um, the concept of doing a thing, and then how much of that thing that you need to actually be effective is the key. When you said that you, how did you describe it? Uh, you consistently fertilize earlier on in the episode regularly. I think maybe is the way you described it, and. In that split moment, I thought to myself, you know, it sounds good, you know, how I'm fighting against fertilizing and have been, but still do it, you know, but I'm not consistent. I'm inconsistent. And I wonder, while I I don't think I'm doing harm to my garden, is it really one of those, well, even a little bit counts, you know, I'm I'm not so sure of that, right? You know, um, do I, am I doing as much good as I think I am by even just occasionally adding some fertilizer? It's a question mark. And I think more specifically some of the things that we um will talk about and we have talked about when it comes to oh add grass clippings and you can make compost tea and and so on and so forth like it creates this routine this effort and uh, sometimes we don't realize how much of a thing that we need you're talking about how you 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 continually say you think we all most of us underwater our gardens right you know and it's a good example of we think we're doing a thing right and we're not right and generally in that case you may be doing some harm but i guess what i'm trying to get to is i mean we really would have to become students even more so than we already are um when it comes to what makes up good soil you know what your plants really need i still firmly believe you know a seed wants to grow you know, and, oh, it's yeah, and so it will do all it can, despite sometimes the circumstances it's put in, to try to produce for you. You know, um, and I, I think that sometimes it's easy to take it for granted when you look and say. And so I'm talking out of both sides, gals and, ga- and guys and gals. So just know that um, it's easy to take for granted. You know, how your plants may look, they may thrive, they may produce and not understand kind of underneath it all, you know, what's happening there and what you truly need to do to create an environment where things are going to continually thrive year over year. Right. 
I mean, the biggest thing that I've learned about my compost pile this year or in the past couple of years is, and I mean, you can scoff at it all you want, but peeing in your compost pile, urinating mm-hmm. in it is like rocket fuel. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why if you pee on plants and stuff like that, they burn because it's high nitrogen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, peeing in your compost pile and stuff like that. And it seems weird. But at the same time, like, it really does help. Now, don't take a crap in your compost pile. I mean, let's not get it twisted. But, um, you know, it's things like that that you don't realize, and it makes a big difference. Um, You know, and you you brought up compost tea. So, I tested out some compost tea last year. I didn't really stick with it too much. Um, I don't know why I didn't. I just kind of fell off of the bandwagon a little bit. But... I did see results from it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when I would spray it on my plants and stuff like that. So I think you would have to start getting into making compost teas as well, worm casting teas, all that stuff. And it's, I mean, making compost teas extremely easy. For me, it was, I stuck, um, I don't know how much I put in there, a couple trowel shovels full of compost in a mesh bag, put it in a bucket. I have an aerator like you can get a clip on aerator Mm -hmm. and I would just run air on it for like two, three days. Um, you're technically you can put, um, um, what's it called? Fish fertilizer in there, which obviously we don't have during this conversation. Um, a lot of people will put molasses in there and just to kind of ramp it up. But even if you didn't do that by adding that air to it, you're, you're fueling the microbial life to explode within it, to grow. And once it starts to foam, it's time to use it. So after like two, three days, it has to be warm, but after two, three days, it'll start to foam and then you can start adding that in. And that really did work out well. So, you know, is it as strong of a dose as fertilizer? I would say no, but it definitely was a dose and it definitely did help. And the thing is, is I can, you could stretch a compost pile, a small compost pile, a lot farther by doing that just because of the amount of compost used for that. Yeah. I think we, um, I don't think that in this new world, it'd be, there'd be a single method to supplement, you know, um, to replace fertilizer. No, you'd be, it's going to be a combo. Yeah. Go ahead. Take the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, I know. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I know. I, well, the I other- could see your energy. You're starting to sit up. You're starting, you're starting to dig yeah. in a bit more. <laughs> well, and the other thing, too, we were talking about bone meal earlier. Mm-hmm. You don't have to use bone meal. You can use, like, wood ashes and stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is a common practice. Like, if you ever have a backyard fire, a lot of people have a fire pit, and you just, and hopefully, you're burning nice, clean wood. In the wintertime, just sprinkle a cup or two of wood ashes in your garden, you know, and you're, you're starting that process of using less and less of this, you know, these fertilizers and stuff like that. And I think it can make a big difference in what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, you know, I'm going to argue that most folks that grow today, you know, your home gardeners, your homesteaders would continue to do so, right? Because they're in it. And they just, you know, um, evolve their gardening techniques. And of course, there are people that do this today. So let's not pretend like this would be, you know, again, there's no store-bought fertilizer attention and everyone's running out of their houses. Crazy. Um, A gentleman I used to follow um, that he's has a wealth of uh, videos on YouTube, but he doesn't 
I don't think any put out new videos anymore. Um, a part of his thing was like, what can I do uh, to spend as little money as I can? Um, and part of that was limiting what he'd buy for the garden. And so, yeah. you know, again, there are people that follow this way of gardening growing right now. So we do have blueprints, I guess, is a, a way to to respond to this. Stand up if you're one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we have to, in this conversation, we have to talk about cover crops, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, there is nothing more confusing than cover crops. Um, I've, I've read into it a lot. And it, it's daunting because you don't know. I don't know what's going to do well in my area. Mm-hmm. But also what I don't want to do is introduce a cover crop that becomes perennial and then you're constantly fighting a cover crop mm-hmm. from coming back. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's that's like my worst fear is like, oh, yeah, I planted this, uh, you know, whatever this this fetch or vetch. And uh, now I've just got like a bed of vetch that I can't get rid of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that is it's terrible. But there are options for that. And I think when you start talking about adding in cover crops and you start talking about fertilization being gone, the first thing that needs to happen is gardens need to grow. Like you need to have a bigger garden at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, because wait, wait. what do you mean by a bigger garden? More space, not necessarily all grown in at the same time, but your garden needs to be bigger so you can allow cover crops to take hold. Mm hmm to mulch in and die off and feed the bed while other sections are growing. And I think that is a really, really big benefit of having a larger garden. And based on the way we live now, we can circumvent that by buying fertilizers and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 It's uh, sometimes I, (laughs) I say to myself, have I um, stumbled into, you know, um, doing well for my soil, you know, for my garden. Uh, I told you I was looking for that recipe, which I still haven't found, but I came across, I think it was 2020, 2021, maybe. I think it's the last time that I added new soil to the cage, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it offline, which is the year, and we'll basically go through the sleuth effort of figuring out, is that what Lance has made a gate? But anyway, um, and it's interesting because those years prior, I did that more often. And I'm not suggesting that you add soil to your beds every single year. Um, but it's one of those things that you kind of stumble into. And, you know, it appears that your garden, my garden, enjoyed it. You know, it was some really good production based on kind of this boost, right? You know, um, basically new dirt. And so when you think about a place where fertilizer isn't available or maybe it's so costly that you really don't want to spend that money on it. It's not like you're going to basically be going and saying, just give me more dirt. No, you're exactly right in that. Um, And that's where I was alluding to earlier around. I wouldn't be growing the things that I'd be growing, you know? So it's not just to say, Oh, this is a heavy feeder, which isn't something to consider. This is heavy feeder. And so I'm not growing it. It could be that it could be this heavy feeder and, this bed, I just pulled heavy feeders out of it last year, you know. And so I think that um, we definitely will become more deliberate, but in a wholly different way than what we've been talking about over the last couple of years, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go through a couple cover crops that I've researched into and let you know what they can add to it so you can kind of keep it in to your um, data bank. Because like I said, I spent it a while and I actually did it one year and it worked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the first one I looked into was buckwheat. So the biggest thing about that is it has um, it grows fast and it's easy to kill off, which I have definitely experienced that. And it'll grow in like poor soil, but it protects it from like um, from erosion mm-hmm. and, you know, just protecting it over the weather. But what it does, too, is and this goes for all of these, for the most part, is when you till it back into the ground, it's a green manure. So it adds more nitrogen back into the soil because of all the nutrients we have in our soil nitrogen is the one that is um, water soluble meaning if you overwater or something you can actually leach out your nitrogen out of your bed so you know mm-hmm. that's the benefit of a lot of these um, annual rye grasses so there's a winter annual and basically you put those in early like you know late summer let them grow. They grow fast. And then the winter will kill them off generally. Now I did not experience that in my garden. That was the one that I had really good results with, but I did go into my garden and just flip it all back into the soil. So I'd go in after it grew, toss it back in and same thing. It just helps lock that soil in. It protects it. And then it'll, it'll refeed it afterwards. So that was like a winter rye is what I used. Mm -hmm. Um, and it worked, like I said, it worked really good and it was, it was pretty to have in there. I mean, it's just grass essentially. (laughs) When did Um, you remember, like, when did you, when was it done? Like what month? When did I till it back in? Yeah. Um, so it never died off that year for me. Um, but I did get it back in the ground probably a month before planting. So I think that year I planted that bed in April. So I did it in March. I tilled it back in. Mm-hmm. Or when I say till, I just took a shovel and kind of went underneath it, put it in. I made sure I buried it real good and it didn't come up for the rest of the year. So it was alive for that entire time. It was yeah. alive for that entire time. And I got extremely nervous. Yeah, um, there's. I mean, um, I'm not going to front. There's some. Um, I have through the, the minimal research that I've done on cover crops. And sometimes it's easier to have a blueprint. There is someone in Ohio, which, I, you know, I, I look at it like, you know, they're my garden neighbor. Um, and she uses cover crops. And so I say that to say, um, I asked the question because obviously there's nothing growing actively in you know december january february you know so i couldn't be out here saying all right i'm gonna till this thing back that would have already died but um she does hers earlier in the season and going into the fall um so you know the one thing cover crops are a little bit intimidating for me um and it's just again the garden bandwidth that i have um looking into it if i'm going to invest in something that's supposed to help future garden batavia you know, I want to make sure that I'm getting it right. Um, and this is also classic, you know, put it on a list. How many years are we at yeah. yet? We're probably past well, three by myself, but for you and I together, I think I'm on like year two. So another one is, um, and I mentioned it earlier, is common vetch, V-E-T-C-H. And this is one that actually, as we speak, I'm going to buy it. Okay. Um, yeah, because I saw... I just put it in my cart. Let me get the... 
you want to keep shopping? <laughs> yeah, I want to keep shopping. First of all, it's on sale, everybody. So, um, and I'm just going to read you the description. Plant common vetch as a ground cover to loosen the soil and add nitrogen. Well, you know that I've got soil compaction issues already in my wild garden. So, mm-hmm. that's why I bought it for that. Um, they use it to feed cattle, horses, and rabbit. It'll actually give you a pink bloom. So, there is that. And it's an annual. So, it'll, you know, it kind of works out both ways. So you can you can plant that in there and see if that helps. Um, I'm running out. There's a lot more, and I, those are the only the common ones. There's different types of vetch and stuff like that. Um, but you know you kind of get the gist. There's certain things you can put in the ground to do other things. I mean, a lot of them, like anything that flowers, will bring in pollinators, mm-hmm. which we all need more pollinators. We need to support our pollinators. Um, ground covers. And we haven't even talked about mulching either, which is huge. Such a simple act can have such a big difference. Yeah, so, I mean, um, most times, I don't know that we've ever spoke about mulch that didn't eventually break down, right? Like, we're yeah. not putting plastic, you know, wood chips, you know, plastic, you know, you know the faux ones on our garden to mulch them. Um, but yeah, I think you're spot on. Like that's going to add something. That's a part of the toolkit now, the future toolkit that Mike has forced us to create. I'm just you, uh, clearly, you know, I'm just teasing with you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but since he's uh, created this world that no one really wants to live in, but here we are. <laughs> um, it's again, it's it's adding something else to your toolkit, and you best believe I, you know, become a subject matter expert on on cover crops if that time it, had come. And back to my original point, it doesn't mean that I'm going to wait until that day comes, you know, because I do see this for myself in the future. Um, but I do believe it's it's helpful to start, you know, looking into some of these pieces, right? You know, um, and and most importantly for me, understanding what they are really impacting, you know. Right. It's something that gets my goat. It's the, you know, just doing it to be doing it, you know. <laughs> Oh, that drives me nuts. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't work out well. And I mean, when I started looking into all of these cover crops a couple of years ago, I definitely had a purpose behind it. And it was all about the wild garden. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking for ways to passively charge my soil. And um, that was the, you know, the best thing I could come up with. You, you still need to prepare the ground like normal and all these things. So... The reason why I brought that back up, though, is because once you cut it, it becomes a mulch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, using leaves, using um, straw, using cover crops, like all of these different things. I mean, you can even go as far as saying in time using wood chips. You know how we feel about those on the show. <laughs> they will all add nutrients back into your garden. But if we take a step back at this point and we say, OK, this has been we started January 1. There was no fertilizer. And during that time, we've built a compost pile. We've mulched our gardens. We've made compost tea. We started doing worm castings. We've, you know, um, done, did I say cover crops? And we've started doing cover crops. Now you can see that we've got five different ways that we've added nutrients back into our soil. Mm-hmm. And we haven't, and you know, that's, and I'm not even including like, I know a lot of people don't have chickens and stuff like that. Um, if you don't have chickens, you can always find somebody who does. A lot of people that are just chicken farmers have zero use for it and cannot get rid of their manure. 
So they will either give it to you or you can take it. But you do need to realize that if you use manures, you have to age it before you plant in it. It has to cool off. It's considered a hot manure. So it's nutrient hot. So that's why I put it in in the winter and then I'll just let it sit for a couple months and not do anything. And then that will help over time to build that back up. But we found all of these ways to add our nutrients back into our soil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, this, if you're not already, this will probably force your hand into like some type of epic bartering system. Right. You know, um, you you commented on what you may not have you know i think the animal bit is probably one of the biggest pieces of it um if you don't have other larger you know animals that would produce more waste that you could use for compost um i think that you know in chicago i don't know anyone that has anything that you know in my immediate vicinity but you get my point um you have to become a little bit more creative in the way that we're doing things yeah. And it's important to do it. You know, it's important to take those steps and move in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Mike hit the nail on the head, though, because it's something that I don't think we should be complacent about is having fertilizers and stuff like that. So um, if they did go away, my question to you, Batavia, would be what steps would you take right now? to ensure that your garden moves forward like what would you do okay the general is the general assumption that i'm not buying compost from the store either yeah at this point we can't buy anything yeah um so (laughs) (laughs) in the space i'm in right now i would fortify the cage baby or at least part of it to create a compost bin and I would uh, speak to my doctor about blood pressure medication. I don't have high blood pressure <laughs> now, but um, the level, and I, I know this is not exactly how it works, but the level of um, adjustment that I would need to make for even the thought of what would come into there. Um, but that's in how important gardening is to me. You know, so compost fertilizer not available. I know for sure. I feel firmly around um, compost is important to my garden, you know, and it's something that I want to do in the future. So I think that's probably the easier path to feeding my garden. And that turns into, again, the the bartering bit um, where some of the food scraps. I mean, you talk about, you know, these (laughs) I love my neighbors and I think they love me. And it would test that relationship as I knock on their door, leaving buckets and stuff saying, you know, uh, would you mind if I took some of your eggshells and so on? Um, I definitely would investigate um, compost tea and, and try to understand the value in that. And the third thing I do is I would investigate and likely implement um, cover crops. Yeah. I mean, I would continue what I'm doing because I'm, you know, I would definitely lean into the cover crops more, but I would, I would have to like really ramp up my production of compost. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to get enough to do it. And 
it's something that, you know, when I think about it, man, it's stressing me out right now just thinking about Mm -hmm. it. But I'm coming up on harvesting my sweet potatoes soon. And that is a big, big compost flush for me. All those vines that are going to go in there. Um, I usually give 25% of them to the chickens and then 75% of them go into the compost. So I'll do that. But, um, you know, I still feed these some of these things to the chickens because their manure in turn creates more for us. So we'll do that. But it, I would really have to step up my game and I, I would probably have to really explore other options as far as like getting more. And it would become more of a, I don't want to say a full-time job, but a pretty regular job of feeding the compost, stay turning it in the times that I don't want to turn it. That's the biggest thing is just keeping it going, keeping it hot and smoldering, so that when you are ready to use it, you can let it cool off and put it into your garden. I think that's going to be the biggest trick for me. I haven't shared this with you, um, but you know me well enough to know I do stuff like this. So... I'm probably accurate within a couple of bags, you know, one way or another. Um, I haven't counted them yet, but going back to the beginning of the garden year, all of the bags of compost I use, I have stored away in my um, garage. And so with the intention of going back to say how many bags are empty, how many bags I use this year. Now, generally, you know, one could probably argue that, especially for my raised beds, I may use more than, you know, I need to. Um, But it will be interesting to and remind me and I'll share with you. um, And well, we're not going to ask Leonard. Remind me, I'll share with you and the listeners um, how many bags of compost that I use. There's a dollar figure, too. I can associate with that. And what's that volume of compost? Right. You know, yeah. to kind of get me through a garden season again, it'll be give or take because I'm like, is this empty bag from last year or this year? You know, at some point you know, earlier in the season. Um, but I, I think it's interesting because I was ready to revise my answer when you said step up your game for it, because in that moment, I thought to myself, if this was a forever position, Mike, where, you know, it's we we're going to assume that's not available ever. I would have to step up my game. Um, but if this was something that we felt like was, you know, maybe temporary for however many years, I probably would lean more on the bartering bit, like partnering with someone that can produce more. Because at the end of the day, like I'm, there's only so much waste coming out of my house. You know, even with the joke around yeah. the neighbors, like, you know, I, I probably I do. I beg for leaves. I spent. 10 minutes and I feel bad because my, a couple of door, all of my neighbors are super good to me. Um, a neighbor, Tudor is down. She, I've been collecting sticks from her, like quite literally, you know, the six um, branches. And so I showed her a picture like, oh, this is what I use them for. I've been collecting them from her for months, right? She has some big, big, beautiful trees. Um, and so she said, oh, you know, I have some more in the garage. And so I was actually done with this, you know, I didn't need any more necessarily, but I'm like, you know, let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. And so (laughs) she was out front cutting my little patch of grass. I have like a little bitty patch of grass. Right. And so I was ready for them. And I'm kind of like, did she say she was going to the garage now to go get them? So anyway, I'd be bugging the heck out of them trying to get things. And so I don't know that that that's sustainable you know, to create this compost. So um, maybe short term, maybe if it was even longer term, I'd find 
I probably look for a resource that could help me help myself. Well, I can tell you if there was no fertilizer available, you probably wouldn't see it for a long time because obviously it's going to go straight to the farmers mm-hmm. when it comes back. Yeah. You know, and um, I mean, that's why I say like if the farms can't get it mm-hmm. and we can't get it, there's a real issue mm-hmm. going on and it's going to be mayhem. Um, I'm going to tell you, you might, might as well get a gun. So Mike didn't um, say any of that, like, you know, new oh, world. I read in between the lines. Fertilizerless world. But I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's how I look into it, because that's kind of, you know, that's a real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't realize, like, and especially in the bigger farms and stuff like they rely on that more than we do. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, your garden's going to grow without fertilizer more than likely, but it's going to struggle and you're going to see ups and downs. And I, I'm not going to tell you that it's not possible to grow without fertilizer, but it, it's definitely going to be hard, you know? And I know there's people out there that are like, Oh, I never use fertilizer, this, that, and the other. But if you're adding bag soil, you know, if you're doing any of these things, you're adding fertilizer mm-hmm. because it has fertilizer mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's a benefit. Well, I mean, if we want to go, you know, it's just because it's dark doesn't mean that it can't be a reality. And this isn't, you know, we're not at all into kind of scare tactics or anything. But go back to the top where I said I changed kind of what I'd be growing. I wouldn't be growing what I've grown this year. You also have to think about this, like, let's make this real. What you're consuming ultimately is going to change because if we get to the end of this episode and it's like it's not available to us, which means it's either very limitedly available to others or not available at all. Food production changes completely, period. Completely done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll be out there like, hey, man, can I uh, I give you five bucks for your grass clippings, man? Please, please let me get a grass clippings, man. I'll. Interpookie saying for a grass clipping, you yeah. know what I mean? With, uh, like it's <laughs> heavy stuff, you know what I mean? Which I actually want to, as we wrap up this episode, I want to share something with you that I know you're gonna love. He's not gonna love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was, um, I put some sweet potatoes in a space that is, I think, going to be good for the sweet potato growing. But I have my netting over it, and I forgot how sweet potatoes just reach out for everything. So anyway, they start finding their way through the holes of the netting, and I'm like, "Oh, this is going to be impossible to get in and out of here." Not that you have to get in and out of sweet potato plantings often. And so I was trying to weave them out, and I'm like, "How much time am I going to spend doing this?" So I'm like, you know, I could sacrifice some vines right um and so i had some really there's one space i have some really nice looking leaves and you know what i did you know i always look at the underside and the top and the bottom of the leaf and i'm like oh you know ate it and i'm like wait a minute and again it's just you know what my palate hadn't been used to i'm like this is absolutely the substitution for spinach. That's what it immediately put my mind into. But maybe not uh-huh. as like kind of, you know, how spinach can get kind of chalky for a, like mm-hmm. t- taste. Um, so anyway, I said to myself, did I just become, was I converted in this moment? Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> Check right now. If you are on social media and you have anything to do with sweet potatoes, there's someone in the comments that's saying, you know, the leaves are edible. They are, and they Stop were very enjoyable. Stop telling me to eat the leaves. Hmm? Stop telling me to eat yeah, the leaves. Yeah. Well, I, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm them. We are yeah. telling okay. you now. Eat them in private. <laughs> Look, if I cut off my leaves off my sweet potatoes to eat it, that means I get less sweet potatoes. Not having it. End not, of story. Not exactly, but 
Exactly. <laughs> and and I won't have enough to fertilize my garden in a fertilizer less world. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Mike, you're the man. And if you're not a man, you're the woman. I'm sorry. I don't know. But um, thank you very much. And, you know, sometimes we, we you get a gem like this. Um, I just we felt like that was worth a full conversation. And um, I've never kept it a secret and I never will. A situation like that is exactly why I started to garden in the story. And on that note, everybody learn to grow and grow for change. See you, Mike, and everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.